The following guided meditation was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So for people here in the room, um, if you are new to the Buddha studies or you don't know the Three Refuge chant, I have a few more copies that we had out last week up front. Feel free to come up and get that. And as I mentioned, we'll begin with the chanting of the Three Refuges just as a way of creating this opportunity to sing or chant together. And remember, it's just a traditional Buddhist code for our practice. We take refuge in Buddha, just means being awake, being intimate. With what? Dhamma, that's the second refuge. Buddha, being intimate with Dhamma, being awake to the way it is in our experience here and now. And out of that comes the skillful activity of our life, which is what Sangha means. So we generously call ourselves a Buddha Sangha, but really, technically, what Sangha means is when any one of us, for just a moment, are living from that place of being intimate, being awake, being open, being connected with the way it is, Dhamma, then our response in that moment, who we are, how we show up, will be Sangha. So whether you want to call that enlightened activity, but it's this capacity to be appropriate in a moment not perfect in that sort of idealistic sense, but that our response, what we say or don't say, really comes from being clear and open and inclusive of what's moving internally, what's moving around us. So let's do this together. Now that I'm all wired up, I'll see if I can reach the bell. Oh, uh-huh. 
by just reflecting on these words. This is uh, Tanisaro Bhikkhu, a Western Buddhist monk and abbot of a monastery outside of San Diego, Wat Metta. It's really, he's uh, reflecting on, writing about the Buddha, how the Buddha understood Mindfulness, and he starts by quoting from one of the discourses of the Buddha. And what is the faculty of sati, mindfulness? There is the case where a practitioner is mindful, highly meticulous, remembering, and able to call to mind even things that were done and said a long time ago. One remains focused on the body in and of itself, ardent and alert, putting aside greed and distress with reference to the world. One remains focused on feelings, the mind, mental qualities, in and of themselves, ardent, alert, and mindful, putting aside greed and distress with reference to the world. discernment when we're mindful. It isn't a passive activity of just letting everything happen, but we're allowing the conditions of the moment to unfold so that they can be discerned. How it is that the mind gets entangled, how it is the heart gets heavy and tight, how it is the mind, the heart, is released from that tightness, that entanglement. So when we establish our practice as we're doing now, sitting comfortably, relatively still in our body, relatively upright, in a way that supports this alert, 
ardent, wholehearted presence. And mindfulness here in this more technical way means to keep the present moment in mind so that this alert and discerning part of the practice can, in a sense, connect the dots in the sense of how it is that the mind takes the bait, gets entangled, proliferates desires, gets attached to desire, and in little and in sometimes big ways, creates, constructs a big storm. And in the aftermath, the body, heart and mind is tight, feels the karmic effect of having been identified with the mind's own constructions, the self-dramas, whether it's due to regurgitating the past in some way, or speculating about the present or the future in some way, or some revenge fantasy, fantasy about getting what we want, becoming who we want to be. There's probably infinite ways for the mind to construct some idea and then get identified, seduced, intoxicated by the idea the mind has constructed in a way that lays down stress in the body and mind and heart. And what practice is, isn't so much stopping that neurotic activity, but rather observing it with wisdom, observing it in terms of cause and effect. How is it that the mind takes the bait? What is it seeing? What is it not seeing? How is it understanding? How is it that the mind abandons this tendency to get caught up in one drama or another? Really, endlessly, if we're honest. And the particular focus tonight can be around sense-desire. And of course, this isn't going to be an actual engagement with the desires for sense experience, but our thoughts about sense experience. And in particular, thoughts or mental images of pleasure, sense experience that is seen as being pleasurable. Even when we have the impulse, the compulsion to scratch an itch, It's that part of the mind that is seeking the pleasure that we imagine is there when we scratch or when we move the body. Or even the pleasure of thinking the next thought in a series of thoughts that are linked. 
we want to keep that thread going. There's a desire and an attachment to the desire. So first step, of course, is just to get a little bit more clear when there is desire in the mind and to get clear when there is not desiring in the mind. So if it helps you, you can just periodically, in a relaxed way, drop in the question, is the mind desiring? Is there desire here in the mind and heart? Is the mind wanting something to happen? And then if it seems clear that there isn't desire, and then get interested in what that's like. This is the mind that is empty of desiring. And when there is desire, get interested in the mind's relationship with the desiring. Is it attached or identified? A strong sense of self involved or not? We tend to want to go right to trying to control and getting rid of desire. But we're really here to understand the nature of desiring. And when does desiring become the same as suffering? And when is desiring just an ordinary process of the mind, neither good nor bad? And what can really help is to use a training ground like being aware of the totality of the body sitting. Or for some, you might prefer to be aware of the ordinary rhythm of breathing in and breathing out. And in the context of cultivating this continuity of present moment awareness with the body sitting or with the breath coming in and going out, let that be the context to study the arising, the passing of desire. And how it is that desire is linked stress, how it is that desire and the stress can cease. We'll just see what we can learn in the next 20 minutes or so.
you don't have to go looking for sense desire. Just cultivate this clear and relaxed presence with the breath and with the body, experience of embodiment. And then in the context of that continuity of awareness with the meditation object, just be interested how desire shows up, when it shows up, how the mind relates to the desire that arises. Is there suffering or stress involved? Does it cease? How does it cease? What's that like when desiring ends?
as we resolve to study the nature of desire, one of the obvious places to be interested in is how the mind relates to thought or thinking. Because there may be a strong desire to think, to finish a thought, to think the next thought. And we're just observing the mind and how it relates to its thoughts, its mental images. For example, you might notice subtly, doesn't necessarily, isn't always strong and obvious. You might notice a more subtle sense of the mind trying to feed or to extract some nutriment from the thoughts it's thinking, from the mental images it's generating, as if there could be some kind of satisfaction from thinking thoughts and imagining this and that. Whether we're thinking about our future or thinking about the past or thinking about the present. study is the impulses to move the body, even in little or subtle ways, because this is obviously related to desire, the desire to move the body. And again, it's not about being still or moving, it's about studying the nature of desire see what arises with desire. Notice when desire ceases and what that's like.
desire for this sit to be over. five to seven minutes, let's be particularly interested in moments where the mind appears to be relatively free of desiring. So we get a real sense of that absence of desiring, what that's like. It's okay for a desire to be an animating force. Maybe there are ways that we can learn to be aware of desiring with wisdom, not confused, not tight, entangled with desire. the bell 
and then notice the desire to open the eyes if they've been closed. Notice the desire to begin to move the body. Just notice all the different desires, the desire to look around, see who's around you, to look at the computer. There's no need for judgment, just curiosity. Even the desire to do it right. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.